it was 2001, I remember this because this was the year, for those of you who follow sports, that uh, the Seattle Mariners broke the record for the most wins in a season, 116 wins. And so, um, so my, friend, my best friend, John, and I are in a brewery, and we're arguing about sports. I'm a Yankees fan, and so we were arguing about sports and the other usual things that you argue about religion and politics, right? That's how we do. So we're going back and forth intent on changing each other's minds and perspectives. Have you ever done this? We've done this so many times. So I'd say, I'm not sure the Bible is supposed to be perfect. And he'd say, but that's a really slippery slope to not believing at all. And I'd say, but why? And he'd say, because. And then I'd say, why did you vote for that person? And he'd say, well, why did you vote for that other person? And then he'd say, at least the Mariners are better than the Yankees this year. And I'd say, how many World Series have the Mariners won? And then he'd say, the Yankees are the evil empire. And I'd say, you're too conservative. And he'd say, you're too liberal. So we argued for hours and hours. And then we were driving back to my house, and we're still arguing, and we're both really mad at each other. And then this song started to play on the radio. A long, long time ago, I can still remember how that music used to make me smile. I knew if I had my chance that I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while. Okay, so that's a great song, right? At least for... And I promise that I'll finish the story, but before we get to what happened next, I want to go back to the arguing, because I just want to make a comment that the year the Mariners won 116 games, the Yankees beat them in the playoffs. So I just want to highlight that in case John is listening. Uh, there's so many things for us to argue about, right? We don't agree about politics. We don't agree about religion. We don't agree about sports. But there's also music, right? We don't agree about music. We don't agree on what's good music and what's bad music. We don't agree about the meaning of lyrics. We all might not agree on whether it's okay for a Don McLean song to be played in church. And in our story for today, it's a song. It's music that leads to an attempted murder. Can you imagine? You might remember that when King Saul was depressed or anxious, David would play music to help calm his nerves and lift his spirits. The Bible actually says that Saul would, would be uh, tormented by an evil spirit. But we talked uh, several weeks ago about how that's what they're really talking about is, is, is Saul's mental health struggles. So since that time, David fought and killed a giant, Goliath. And as he, Saul, and their army are returning home celebrating their victory, we're told in 1 Samuel chapter 18, starting in verse 6, that women poured out of the villages of Israel singing and dancing, welcoming King Saul with tambourines, festive songs, and flutes. They danced and they sang, this is what they sang, Saul kills by the thousands, David by the ten thousand. Pretty catchy, huh? <laughs> so this made Saul, the king, really, really angry. He took it as a personal insult. 
He said, these, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. From that moment on, Saul kept an eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God, or something more like paranoia, afflicted Saul, who became raving mad. Meanwhile, David played his harp, as he usually did at such times, to calm him and to lift his spirits. Music has this capacity to heal us and to to calm us. Saul, while this was happening, had a spear in his hand, and suddenly he threw the spear thinking, I'll nail David to the wall. David ducked and the spear missed. This happened not just once, but twice. How do you put yourself in that situation again? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so previously we were told that Saul loved David greatly, but now their relationship is seriously divided by a song. Well, it's not really the song, is it? But the insecurities and fears that are playing inside the king. It's a song that is revealing what's already there inside of Saul. For Saul, at least, it's becoming aware that change is possible, that he might lose something that's really important to him. So this song just reveals an insecurity that is already there. Now, I'm guessing that this is probably what's behind a lot of disagreements that we have about music. The music reveals something that is already there. So maybe parents and kids argue about certain types of music in part because that's easier than dealing with the tension and conflicts that are already there, right? Musicians create diss tracks about rivals or ex-relationships because, because the division between them is already there. And churches, churches are divided over music because music is really powerful, And our experience of faith, both positive and negative experiences, are really powerful. So when you combine these two powerful things together, the songs take on greater meaning and significance, which can lead to even greater arguments and greater conflicts. And the next thing you know, there's like 42,000 denominations in the world. Music. It has this amazing capacity to reach into our souls, where it can begin to play around with some of our deepest feelings, experiences, and desires, right? As a result, it can move us to tears, it can cause us to dance, and music can enrage us. Music can feel so personal, which is perhaps why as long as I've been involved in churches and in church leadership, the most common advice was never, never have a worship service with two different music styles. Can you imagine? Instead, always have two separate services. The thought is that these different styles of music, combined with the powerful feelings that people have about those songs, would divide churches. Just like that one song divided David and Saul. But here's the thing, if you have to have two separate worship services, 
in order to keep everybody happy, aren't we divided already? The music is just revealing something that is already there. Just like the victory song about David and Saul revealed something that was already happening inside the king. Now, I get it. There are some churches that just don't have enough space, so I'm not sort of condemning anybody. But I'm just saying that a lot of our divisions in churches and in life are things that are already there. But then I came here to this church, and you already had one service with two different music styles. Now, I don't know what the conversations were like before that happened. I'm sure that there were some interesting conversations. But as I've experienced it with all of you, I found this to be incredibly meaningful and important. Now, I mean, thankfully, we have amazing musicians. So it's possible that we just love all the music all the time, right? Or, by chance, there might be moments or times when a particular song or a particular style feels less inspiring or uninspiring or even irritating to some of us. But in those moments, you've maybe noticed that there are others around you who now are moved by that same song. They now feel perhaps more connected to God because of that song that you hate. And then later, when a different song strikes you as moving and meaningful, you might remember that someone else here is putting up with that song just so you can have this moment. In this way, the music that divides us can actually become a practice that helps us to appreciate and care for one another, even if we're different in so many ways. That's sort of unusual. The different styles are actually teaching us how to better coexist in a world that's divided. This is what David's music is supposed to do in the first place, to bring some level of peace and harmony into the king's conflicted in, in inner struggles and relationships. Music can do that. So my friend and I are arguing, you're a heretic. No, you're a heretic. Then from the radio, Don McLean starts singing. And what tends to happen when this song, this particular song, starts to play. Anyone who knows it, at least, begins to sing. So we stopped arguing just for a moment, and it was quiet as the music was playing, and then we started to sing softly. And then the next thing you know, we're both singing as loudly as we can in the car as we're driving to my house, singing until the song comes to its closing lines. I don't know, is Evan around here to, to help with that? Apparently not. Okay, so we get to the end of the song, to the closing lines of this song that almost everybody knows. And it's sort of, oh, do you want to play it? Cool, that'd be great.
So the song ended, and there was this moment of silence in the car together. And then John said to me, I'm sorry, man. And I was like, I'm sorry, too. You know, that, that, you, that point that you made about that thing was, was really good. And, and then he said, yeah, I actually agreed with you about that, that, that other thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry for calling you a heretic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so am I. Music, like so many things, can divide us. But sometimes, even when we disagree, we can still find ourselves in all kinds of moments singing together. So in those moments, whether it's in a bar or in a car or whether it's here in church, we're no longer divided, at least in that moment when we're singing together. And sometimes that can spill out into other parts of life. So I guess that's in part why we sing as a community. Please pray with me. Jesus, you prayed for us, for your world that we would be one. I thank you for the gift of music and the many ways that it has the capacity to bring us together and unite us. We pray that your spirit would continue to join us together here. Amen.